Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As I noted beginning, we had a conference this week, the Epicenter Conference, Epicenter 2012. Uh, Joel Rosenberg, Norm Geisler, a host of other speakers, scholars, and pastors, Palestinian and Israeli pastors. It was just a great time that we had this week. Joel will tell you more. But uh, we're privileged sort of to cap off the Epicenter Conference with speaking about the Epicenter, that part of the world, the Middle East, Jerusalem. And what the future has for that part of the world in light of biblical prophecy. Uh, to bring us that is um, New York Times best-selling author, president of the Joshua Fund. But more than that, he's just our good buddy, Joel Rosenberg. Please welcome him. Appreciate it. Good morning. What a joy and honor to be with you. And what a joy it's been to be here for the Epicenter Conference. And one of the things that's been exciting to me, not only to be back here among friends, uh, because Skip and Lenya and the team have been so supportive of the Joshua Fund right from the beginning, and Skip actually had the idea for the first Epicenter Conference back in 2008, and we hosted it together in Jerusalem. But I've also been excited that people from uh, thousands of people have watched the conference from all 50 states and from 91 countries around the world. It's just amazing that the Word of God has been preached from here all over the country, including back to Israel, to Jordan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's amazing. I don't know who knows us in Saudi Arabia, uh, but uh, maybe it's an Al-Qaeda cell group. I don't know. Maybe hopefully they'll get saved uh, even today. But... Uh, but hopefully it's, uh, the God is moving powerfully. And that's the great thing. Israel is supposed to be a blessing, uh, not just to itself, but to the nations. And we are honored to be part of this. We have come to the close of the 2012 Epicenter Conference. And, you know, all of the messages uh, are now at, at our website, epicenterconference.com. So you can go there if you missed any of the messages, you can, you can watch it online, you can download an Epicenter Conference app on your iPhone or Droid and, and have it right on your smartphone. So I encourage you to do it, it's all free and uh, there is a DVD package that you can certainly get if you want, um, uh, it'll come out in five or six weeks I believe, but, uh, but if you go to epicenterconference.com you can watch these messages, all of them. What's interesting to me, my favorite by the way, just to, if you missed it, my favorite was yesterday, the, uh, the four Israeli and Arab pastors that were uh, sharing their testimonies of who they were once and how they came to faith in Jesus Christ. One of them, for example, a Palestinian who uh, grew up in Jerusalem and had been arrested seven times by the Israelis for anti-Israel activity and then came to faith in Jesus Christ, saw God's heart and love both for his own people, the Palestinian people, as well as his love for Jews and Israelis. And to have him among the others here uh, uh, was really an evidence of Ephesians chapter 2, that God has torn down the dividing wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles to bring us as one new man in Jesus Christ. And when you look at the failed 
peace plans that have been, you know, there's stacked, the warehouse is full of failed peace plans for the Middle East. There's only one that will ultimately work. And that's when men and women's hearts are changed by faith in Jesus Christ. Only then can we come together as Jews and Arabs. So this was a tremendous time. Now, that being said, uh, tonight begins a new moment in the, uh, the history of the Jewish calendar in Israel. It's, tonight is Rosh Hashanah, which means the, the Jewish New Year begins. So, Happy New Year, and I uh, hope you have some apples and honey and, uh, to, to celebrate the sweetness uh, of, of the hope of the New Year. But we've got to really be praying for peace and preparing for war, because as the New Year begins for Israel... The Middle East is already on fire. Uh, just more than just in the last few days, as you know, if you've been watching television, more than two dozen U.S. embassies and diplomatic facilities throughout Israel and North Africa—I'm sorry, mid- the Middle East and North Africa—have been attacked by radical Muslim extremists. The U.S. ambassador to Libya, Chris Stevens, and several of his colleagues were murdered brutally uh, earlier this week, as were some special forces, U.S who were trying to go uh, rescue them. In the past year, uh, Israelis living in southern Israel have been hit by 676 rockets and missiles and mortars coming from radical Muslim extremists uh, in Gaza. And now Israel and Iran are on the verge of what could turn out to be the worst, most devastating war in the modern history of the Middle East. U.S.-Israel relations are at an all-time low. Our president uh, is refusing even to meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu when Netanyahu comes to the United States in a few weeks to meet with the U.N. General Assembly. And uh, Netanyahu offered to meet with President Obama in New York, but the president has his schedule is is full. He's got to meet with David Letterman. And, uh, And so... Well, it is funny, except that it's, it's really not funny, right? Because we're talking about Israel facing nuclear annihilation and feeling it may have to strike first. And our president, who says he has Israel's back, won't meet with him. Now, Netanyahu offered to come down to Washington, and that too, the schedule was busy. So please pray for our president. The Bible teaches us to pray for our leaders so that we can live peaceful, quiet lives. And we want to pray for our president whom God has sovereignly put in that position. Pray that his heart is changed. Pray that he, he not only uh, is changed towards the Lord, but changes well towards uh, having a, 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 a love and understanding both for Israel and the neighbors. I'm not asking him to, you know, you know not to disregard our need as Americans, for us as Christians, to love Israel's neighbors, but also to make sure that we stand with Israel. Because the Bible says that those who bless Israel will be blessed. And those who curse Israel will be cursed. And our country has enough troubles without us turning our back on Israel, especially now. The London Telegraph reports this morning, quote, Battleships, aircraft carriers, minesweepers, and submarines from 25 nations are converging on the strategically important Strait of Hormuz, that narrow strip of water passage between the Persian Gulf and the Indian Ocean. This is right where Iran and the, and the Gulf states converge, and a, a massive naval armada is heading to that spot from 25 countries right now. Why? 
because they believe a war between Israel and Iran will break out in days or weeks, and they want to make sure that that all-important passageway is open so that uh, oil uh, flowing from the Gulf region will continue flowing to the world's economies. They are fearful that if Iran... uh, blockades or damages or destroys those passageways that uh, oil prices could skyrocket, endangering an already fragile uh, global economy. A senior advisor to Prime Minister Netanyahu said last week, quote, we are entering the most fateful 50 days that Israel has had since the days before the Yom Kippur War. Now, as you may know, Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. That's coming up in just a few days from now. And the Yom Kippur War in 1973 was the time when uh, Israel was facing uh, an attack by its enemies, but chose not to strike first. And what happened is they were hit on their highest holy day, the Day of Atonement. Uh, Most Jews were not paying attention. Uh, The most military forces were not on full alert. And they almost lost the country. And now a top advisor to, the, to Prime Minister Netanyahu is saying that Israel is facing the most fateful 50 days since then, which suggests that possibly in the next 50 days, and that was, I think he said this seven or eight days ago, that this war could happen because Israel does not want to be caught where it's absorbing a first attack from Iran. A friend of mine, uh, an Arab pastor in the Middle East, emailed me, Uh, a couple days ago, I'd like to read a few excerpts. He said to me, the Middle East has never been in such upheaval. The feeling one gets is that the whole region is sitting atop a barrel of gunpowder waiting for a spark. Uncertainty, coupled with a strong sense of hopelessness, even is taking root even among the Christian communities in the Middle East. And many Christians are leaving the region with no intention of ever going back. He says, Syria is in flames and the conflict is spilling into Lebanon, Jordan, Turkey, and Iraq, and of course North Africa as well. And he wrote, only God knows what tomorrow holds. That's true. Uh, my, uh, the, my friend is absolutely right. The God of the Bible is the only one who knows what tomorrow holds. The good news is he's laid out some of these things for us in Bible prophecy. So would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 1? Revelation chapter 1, as we we consider the future of the epicenter in light of Bible prophecy. Beginning in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. This is the Apostle John writing, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent, he, Jesus, sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. Let's just stop there for a moment. It's interesting. God the Father wants to show through Jesus, through an angel, through the apostle John, to us what the future holds. That's exciting. Let's pick up in verse 2. And so uh, so John, who testified to the word of God... And to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it. For the time is near. 
John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood and he has made us to be a kingdom priests to his god and father to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever amen behold he jesus jesus christ is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the future of the epicenter. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back in great glory. And everyone is going to see him. Everyone who's on the planet at that moment is going to see him. And everyone who's given their lives to Jesus Christ and are, are looking forward to his return are going to rejoice. But everyone who has rejected faith in Jesus Christ, who said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice and go into eternity without him, they're going to mourn. They're going to be lost forever. Jesus is coming. Are you ready to see him? See, I don't, I don't want to come and, and do an epicenter conference about how Bible prophecy is going to affect the future of the Middle East, how it's going to bring war and trauma and all these terrible things and, and talk about these things and talk about God's hope and how he's changing the lives of people, Muslims and Jews, nominal Christians coming to faith, all of them coming to faith. I don't want to come and bring people here or anywhere and talk about these things and not ask people, how are you doing with Jesus? Yeah, there's a lot of trouble going on in the Middle East, but I know there's a lot of trouble going on in your lives as well. Are you ready to see him? Do you know this Jesus? Have you said yes to that free gift that he's offering you to adopt you into his family, to wash away all of your sins, to fill you with his Holy Spirit, to give you peace that passes understanding, as the Bible says, to give you hope as an anchor for your soul, as the Bible says, to give you wisdom from above as the Bible offers. That's what Jesus is offering you. And if any of you have not made that decision, at the end of this service, I'd like to give you an opportunity to receive Christ. Because it's not just about the future of the Middle East. It's about your future. And I want you to be absolutely 1,000% certain that when you die, you are going to spend eternity with heaven, in heaven with Jesus and the God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit for all eternity. Not go to hell. Burn in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever with no way of escape. You can make that decision today. If you've never made it, you're not sure, let today be the day. And if you have made that decision, what I want you to be thinking through this message is how are you doing with your walk with Christ? Jesus is coming. And you are saved, you are born again, you've been adopted into his family. So this is a good time to assess, how am I doing today? 
Am I walking closely with the Lord? Am I, am I, am I abiding in Christ? Am I spending time in His Word and in prayer? Am I, or am I drifting? Am I wandering from the Lord? Am I doing something or watching something or reading something or spending time with someone or something for which I'd be ashamed when Jesus comes back for me? Jesus is coming and we're going to stand before Him and, and we want to have our lives right and pure and clean. Where are you this morning? 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12 we read this, and this, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. That's pretty simple. These things, John says, I have written to you who believe in the name of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Is that you this morning? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have the Son, that He has you, and therefore you have life? Life now, the abundant life, as well as eternal life. The Scriptures teach us in Revelation 1, again, let's read in 1-3, exactly what the Scriptures are telling us. Blessed is he who reads... And those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. See, some of us, if we're honest, we're not spending time in the Word of God. Right? Some of us are, well, we read a verse here and there. We're here at church this morning, or we're listening on the radio, or by webcast, or wherever you are around the world. You've heard some of the Word, you may pick it up occasionally. But are you spending time daily reading this love letter from the God of the universe to you? Are you reading the Bible that's the instruction manual for life? Where the Lord has said, I'm going to tell you what's coming and I want to help you be prepared. And I want you to help prepare others for what's coming. Many of us are not reading the word of God on a regular basis and, and absorbing it, internalizing it. But some are reading it. And, well, some, and some, some don't like to read. I mean, if we're honest... Some of us are not readers. We're, you know, like, mm, no, not going to happen. But the good news is, the Bible also says, those who hear the words of the prophecy. So, uh, you know, a lot of people like to download audio Bibles and just listen on their, on their MP3 players uh, or on their phones or whatever and just listen to the word of God. Are you doing that? You know, there's a wonderful ministry here in Albuquerque, New Mexico called Faith Comes by Hearing. And they have turned the Bible into audio in 700 languages. You know what the number two language that is being downloaded every moment of every day? It's Arabic. Now, the guys who run this ministry, they don't even know how people in Arabic are finding out about them because they're not doing it. You know, they don't have big billboards in Saudi Arabia saying, you want to listen to the words of Jesus? You know, tune here, right? You can't really do that in the Middle East or North Africa. But yet Arabic is the is number two language being downloaded. Why? Well, I asked that question of the head of the ministry. He said, uh, the only thing I can think of is people are desperate for truth and they're searching. They know that Islam is not true. And so they're searching for truth and they're finding the Bible and they're getting it on their phones and they're starting to, and they're putting it on their you know iPods and whatever. And they're starting to listen. And I know a story of a woman who was listening to it under her 
head covering. Her husband didn't want her to read the Bible and made her take back the New Testament in Arabic that she'd been given. So somebody gave her a copy or gave her a little MP3 player with the Bible on it called a Bible stick. And she put it under her head covering and she's, you know, vacuuming and, and cleaning the house and making dinner while her husband is over watching television and she's listening to the word of life. Let's pray that more people get the language, get the Bible in Hebrew and Arabic and Russian and Farsi and the languages of the Middle East as well as all the languages of the world. What about you? Are you reading the Word of God? Are you hearing the Word of God? But that's not enough. The Bible says you need to also heed the things that are taught here in the Scriptures and particularly in these prophecies and because the time is near. Now, I don't, I'm not Harold Camping, so I can't tell you when Jesus is coming back exactly. I don't know. And Revelation 1, let's be clear, is about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The physical, literal, actual time when Jesus Christ will come from the clouds and touch down in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives and will break that mountain in half and will reign over the entire earth from Jerusalem. That's what Revelation 1 is speaking of. That's the second coming of Christ. Now, there's a moment before that known as the rapture. That's the moment where rather than Jesus come down all the way to earth, he comes down halfway and the Bible says he picks us up. He snatches us or or whisks us away from this world. Those of us who are born again and we meet Jesus in the air. That's the rapture. That's what we know as the rapture. And that's described in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4. That moment, so we're at least seven years away from Revelation chapter 1. Because the tribulation, the worst seven years of horror ever known on the planet, that's described in the book of Revelation, as well as other places in the scripture, that has not happened yet. But the rapture could happen at any moment. And all the prophecies in the Bible from the Old Testament, the New Testament, even Jesus himself, all the things he said to watch for that would be warning signs that he's getting close to get us and bring us home, those things are all happening. Wars, check. Rumors of wars? Check. Revolutions? Check. Earthquakes? Check. Natural disasters? Check. Increased lawlessness? Check. Uh, persecution of the believers? Check. Uh, apostasy? People leaving the church, breaking away, leaving Christ? Check, check, check. The rebirth of the state of Israel? Check. Jews coming back to the Holy Land? Check. Dislocation because of that? Check. The gospel of Jesus Christ being preached in the whole world? Well, we're getting close. Check. I'm not sure it's check yet, but it's sort of, we're just, we gotta, we gotta finish that job. What about you? Are you sharing the gospel with your family members, with your neighbors, with your friends, with, with people you don't know? I encourage you to do that. You can even use one of my novels. Uh, if you, if you're not sure how to start a conversation, the gospel is in each one of my novels and people come to Christ in the novels. That's an opportunity for you to just hand them one of the novels and say, Hey, I heard this guy speak and, uh, I don't know, you might want to, what do you think about this? That's a way. Cause I'm not just trying to share the gospel myself. I'm trying to equip other people to do it. What about you this morning? Where are you? Are you ready to see Jesus? Have you given your life to him? And have, if you have, are you heeding the words of the scripture? Are you heeding the words of Bible prophecy that tell us that we need to be sharing the gospel with others because Christ is coming back? Now, there are prophecies in the Bible that talk also specifically about the Middle East. Matthew 24, 
Luke 21, they, Jesus warned of cataclysmic wars in the Middle East in the last days. But he also said, as I, I just noted, that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end shall come. We need to be involved in that process before Jesus gets back. Ezekiel 38 and 39, we're warned in Scripture that Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya, Sudan, and other countries will converge, will align against Israel to attack and conquer Israel in the last days. And what's interesting is what a horrible event that will be, but the Scriptures also encourage us by saying God is going to supernaturally intervene in history at that moment, Defend and physically save the state of Israel and judge some of her, uh, her, her enemies. But also that he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit on the whole house of Israel. The Bible says he will stop hiding his face from the whole house of Israel. We're going to see more Jewish people realize that God, the God of Israel is real. And that Jesus is his son. And they're going to come to faith in Jesus at that moment. But what are we doing now? To get ready for that moment. We don't know exactly what that's going to happen. But Russia, Iran and other countries are aligning. To attack and conquer Israel. Not in this specific next war. But those, those pieces seem to be in motion. And we need to be ready. Ready not just to. We need to be strengthening our brothers and sisters. In the land. In the region. Helping them be witnesses for Christ. To per- preach the word with boldness. Proclaim the gospel with courage. To show acts of compassion. To those who are poor. And needy. Widows and orphans. Uh, people who are victims of war and terror. The church needs to preach the word of God. And, sh- and preach the love of Christ. But we also need to show the love of Christ. And for, our, for us in the West. I believe our job as Christians in part. Is to not only pray for our brothers and sisters. In the epicenter. But help them. Strengthen them. That's what the Joshua Fund ministry is about. To educate and mobilize Christians. Here and around the world. To what God is doing in the Middle East. The threats and dangers that are coming to Israel and her neighbors. And then to mobilize the church to help. Not just to know that, but to do something. To provide food and clothing and medical supplies so that they can care for people in bad geopolitical wars as well as in the prophetic wars that are coming. There are other prophecies. Isaiah 19 talks about uh, how uh, there will be a great uh, oppression of Egypt. How, how, uh, how somebody will come and really uh, crush them and, 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 and rule over them with, with, with fierceness and evil. And yet, the Bible says that, quote, God will send them a savior and a champion and he will deliver them. Thus the Lord will make himself known to Egypt. And as you go through Isaiah 19, at the end you find that God not only allows terrible things to happen, but then he, he sends this Savior, and he not only wins so many Egyptians to the Lord, he also wins so many Assyrians to the Lord, that's Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, Jordan, and then he saves so many Israelis that they actually build roads in the Millennial Kingdom from these countries surrounding Israel to Jerusalem so people can go and worship Jesus in Jerusalem. 
That's awesome. Bad things are coming, yes, but God's spirit is moving. And the good news is more Muslims and Jews are coming to faith in Jesus Christ than at any other point in human history. But what are we doing about that? How are we helping our brothers, sisters in the land? We've got a video that I want to show you that gives you a little sense of what the Joshua one is doing because you guys have been so helpful, prayerful, financially investing in this ministry. Let's just give you a few minutes to get a sense of what's happening and how we're trying to prepare for the troubles that are coming. To the south, the Muslim Brotherhood is now ruling in Egypt. To the north, more than 20,000 people have been killed in Syria as that nation continues to spiral out of control. To the east, Iran continues in its pursuit to develop nuclear weapons and long-range ballistic missiles while calling for the nation of Israel to be wiped off the face of the earth. What's more, today, there are more than 50,000 rockets and missiles aimed at Israel. Never before in her modern history has there been such serious threats that challenge Israel's very existence. Times are critical in Israel, and the Joshua Fund is responding by mobilizing Christians around the world to pray for peace and prepare for war. The Joshua Fund, with your help and the help of others who pray and give to the work of blessing Israel and her neighbors in Jesus' name, has been taking strategic measures to be able to respond quickly and compassionately when and if war breaks out. First, the warehouse that currently provides food and other humanitarian relief supplies to the poor and needy is now equipped to remain fully operational should Israel's power grid be knocked out. A large generator with an emergency fuel supply has been installed that will keep the lights on, the forklift moving, and supplies shipping in delivery trucks and vehicles. Second, we have taken measures to ensure the personal safety for staff and volunteers in time of war. To keep food and supplies reaching the needy, we have equipped the bomb shelter in the Joshua Fund warehouse with gas masks, food, water, and other survival essentials that will help in the event our facility becomes the direct target during the war. We have also put our Israeli staff through basic first aid and emergency preparedness training. Third, we have invested significantly in communication technology. It is critical for the storefront and ministry partners we work with to be able to communicate with the Joshua Fund and with one another during times of war or natural disaster. So we have purchased satellite phones and provided them to our staff and key allies to ensure continued communication if cell phone and landlines go down. Satellite phones will also enable us to receive critical war updates and urgent prayer requests from key allies in Israel and pass them on to you in a timely way. Fourth, we have been steadily increasing our stockpiles of food, water, and water purification tablets, blankets, and other humanitarian relief supplies in our central warehouse 
for use in time of war. We have also been increasing the stock levels of food and relief supplies at each of the storefront locations so that they are even further equipped to meet people's needs rapidly when war begins. At the same time, we have supplied each storefront with a generator, lights, and battery-operated radios so that they can be better prepared to meet people's needs under very challenging conditions. These are just some of the preparations that the Joshua Fund has been making in recent months. Now we are turning our attention towards creating mobile relief facilities that we can deploy in needed areas throughout the country. In Psalm 122, we are told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In Matthew 24, we are told to be ready for wars and rumors of wars. In the last days, none of us want war. We're all praying for peace, but sometimes God allows war to happen. That is why the Joshua Fund is seeking to be faithful to the scriptures. We're praying for peace while preparing for war. The evidence suggests a major war between Israel and Iran could begin any moment. The Joshua Fund, along with our partners and allies in Israel, continue to train and equip and stockpile and prepare for war so that should that day come, we will be ready to offer help and hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for standing with us at this critical time with your prayers and financial support. Please stay up to the minute on how you can pray and help with updates at joshuafund.net and at the Joshua Fund page on Facebook. So I hope you got a sense of a little bit of what we're trying to do. It's, it's very challenging. If, if a war breaks out in the next few days or weeks uh, with all these missiles inbound, it's hard to know whether we even can get staff into the country. They may just simply close down the airports, which is why we've been hiring Israeli staff and training them and building alliances inside the country. Because I want to be clear, since you've been such a key a partner with us from the beginning. You know, we're not trying to build the Joshua Fund brand in Israel. You didn't see any of those trucks with the Joshua Fund logo, uh, the bags and boxes of food don't say the Joshua Fund. We're not trying to make people aware of us. We're trying to help equip the local believers, Jewish and Arab, uh, be able to care for and love their neighbors in the name of Jesus. And I think that is such a critical uh, role. We, we buy most of these supplies, not all, but most, in Israel to support the local economy. And, and again, working with local believers, some of whom you met here, um, to help uh, prepare for this moment. That's our heart. But for some of you, you know, you're, you're like, mm, yeah, but that's, you know, what relevance does that have to me? I mean, I, I appreciate it. I'm aware of it. I, I, I'll pray. But... But I got my own issues. Um, I know, I know. It, it, we, we live in a moment where there are, we are being pressed from all sides. And that's why I want to make sure that, that before this conference ends, that I ask you, are, are you ready to see Jesus? Because he's coming back. Behold, he's coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him. And those who know him will rejoice. Those who reject him will mourn. You know, I, I was having the opportunity to preach uh, at a conference uh, in Jerusalem last summer. It's called Back to Jerusalem. And it was, uh, it was an Arab pastor and, and lay people training conference to help them share the gospel with their own friends and neighbors. 
And it was, I was very honored as a Jewish believer to come and to preach at this, at this conference. Well, it was interesting because I, I was at the hotel with one of my colleagues and we happened to run into one of the other speakers and um, a Jordanian pastor, Arab pastor, and his, he and his wife. And so we were just, um, we could see that they were having an animated conversation. So we went and had breakfast in another part of the, the restaurant. A little while later, the husband came over and said, my wife is sharing the gospel with some, uh, with some Arabs over there. And so um, she's really an evangelist. She has a gift. I, you know, I like to preach and teach and disciple, but I get a little nervous when I share the gospel. So I let her do it mostly, and then um, I, I pray for her. So I sort of got the nod during this conversation. He said that I should, you know, sort of step off and let her do the work. So that's why I came over to you. So we said, "Well, please come with us." So anyway, he told us a very interesting story. He said, "He goes, I, I'm kind of embarrassed by this, but my wife is a real evangelist, and and so we were driving in the streets of uh, Amman, the capital of Jordan, not long ago, and suddenly she said, "Stop the car!" I was like, ah! She says, you see that man over there? And I looked, and across the street there was an imam, an, an Islamic uh, you know, cleric uh, with a long robe and a beard and you know, the whole look. And, and she said, the Holy Spirit's telling me we're supposed to give that man a, a, an Arabic New Testament. He's like, what? We're not supposed to do that. No, 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 you, you misunderstand. He does not look like he wants Jesus. She said, no, 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 the Spirit's telling me we need to go. You, you, I'll stay with the car. You go over and, and give him... <laughs> A New Testament. He's like, I'm not doing that. No, no, that is not, no. She said, oh, come on. So she grabs a New Testament from the back seat and she jumps out of the car as he's like, no, don't. So he's muttering to himself, he tells us. He's like, I'm sitting there. I'm saying, oh, that woman, I love her, but she's, you know, I'm the head of the household. I'm going to have to talk to her. If I say don't do it, she shouldn't do it. And anyway, she, he, she, he watches her cross the street, go to the man and suddenly the man seems to be yelling at her and she's like, oh. And uh, he's like, oh, see, this woman must listen to me. I am the head. She is, the, she is supposed to submit to me. You know, that type of thing. So anyway, she finally comes back, gets in the car. The moment the door closes, ah, he tears off, right? He doesn't even want to stay in the area. He says, you need to listen to me. And he starts his whole thing. She says, no, 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 listen, listen. He goes, he was angry at you. She goes, yeah, but you don't understand why. So he said, so, well, why? Why was he angry with you? You know, assuming he knew. She said that he was angry because what he told me was that last night, Jesus appeared to him in a dream and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. And I want you to follow me. And tomorrow, I want you to stand on a certain street corner. And at a certain time, someone's going to bring you a Bible to tell you how to follow me. And he said, where have you been? You're late. Some people don't look like they're ready to see Jesus. And sometimes that's why we don't help our brothers and sisters in Israel or the Arab world because we think they're, they're not all going to come to know Jesus. And so they don't, they, you know, they're Jews, they're Muslims, whatever. They, no. We need to stand with our brothers and sisters because God is moving powerful. Yes, the darkness is getting worse, but Jesus is moving powerfully. And we need to help our brothers and sisters reach people and love people and encourage people. But you know what? I think that in some of your hearts this morning, God is... He's been talking to you. He's been moving in your hearts. And I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ right now. 
You, you know, to, to your friends and neighbors, the opposite might be true of that story. It might be, you look like a believer. You look like the type of person who would be a believer. But in your heart, you haven't ever actually made that decision. Or you've wavered, or you've waffled, or you're just not sure. Let's spend a few moments in prayer. And if you're ready to say, yes, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe that he rose from the dead uh, to prove to me that he's the only way. If you, if you are ready to be adopted into God's family, that's what he's offering. The Bible says in John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Let's close in prayer. And, and, if you, and I'm going to give you an opportunity. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? But if you're ready to make a decision to receive Christ, would you just raise your hand? So I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm not going to pressure you, but I'm asking you. I'm urging you. I'm imploring you. Don't leave this service, this conference, without having made this decision. Just raise your hands up high. Just close your eyes, the rest of you, and bow your heads. And if, if you already come to Christ, pray for those who haven't, that they would make this decision right now. And for you in your own relationship, that you would be right with the Lord. Anyone else want to raise their hand and just make a decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? Be sure this morning. I'm going to pray and you can just pray following me, okay? Uh, phrase by phrase. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I need you. I admit I've been going my own way. And I'm wrong. I confess that I'm a sinful person, Father. But I want you to change me. I want you to save me. Father, I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And I believe, Father, that you raised Christ from the dead to prove to me that Jesus is the Savior and Messiah. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my heart now. Come and cleanse me, Lord. Change my heart. Please adopt me into your family. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Please teach me how to follow you, Jesus. I don't know how, but I know you can lead me. Thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. That's true. And, and thank you for saving my life. And making me a new person in Christ. And I pray in the name of my new Savior. And Lord. Jesus Christ. And Father I pray for all those who made that decision. And those who are still processing that. And want to make that decision. Or considering it. Lord bless them and bless this congregation. That they may know you. And be ready to see Jesus Christ. When you come back. For it's in the name of our great Savior. And soon coming King, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Joel. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.